This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Let the experts at Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it when you need great health care coverage at a price you can afford. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Back from Indianapolis, Indiana, and the NFL Scouting Combine, Amy Wells and Mike Keith, glad to have you with us. Glad to be back at St. Thomas Sports Park. Yes, it always feels good to be home. Have you heard the talk that we may be going back to Indy? No. Yes, Indy is apparently not out of it. Well, that's what I want to hear. Rise up, Indianapolis. They are reporting that Indianapolis is not eliminated for next year. Of course not. That don't rule them out, they're back into it. And that makes sense in every sense of the word because A – Maybe Indianapolis will up their bid considerably, and the NFL will happily say, sure, we'll stay there for more money. Or B, by putting it out there that Indianapolis is still an option, Dallas or Los Angeles or whomever else will bid it on up some more. I still say money is undefeated. I know, and I know you say that. However, after being in Indianapolis for – a week and talking to so many people there. We love it. I am it's the not, perfect place for the kids. The I am place. not in the minority when it comes to enjoying the combine being in Indianapolis. And I will say because everybody was back together, yes. it had a special do mystique you, do about you it. you know how much those people that you are commiserating with count? None. 0.0. 0.0. No. 0.0. 100%. I am very aware. No, zero. Not 100%. (laughs) Zero. There are 32 people who are going to make that call. and we. I wasn't talking to any of them. And we don't ride around with any of them. No, and I'm very aware of that. But the public opinion was that, oh, man, Indy really is a great spot. And there was the extra benefit that everybody was getting back together. So it seemed like this magical, wonderful experience. Like the first time you go to Disney World when you haven't been in like 30 years, you walk in and it's like magical and wonderful. And then you remember like, oh gosh, there's a a lot of things about this that suck. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't in that place. Indy was the magical NFL paradise where everyone you've ever met is there. It was like that for a week though. because For who? uh, For me. Okay. Because it was so good to see all of these people that you haven't seen in years. They did a nice job. They always do a nice job. It'll be fine other places. You're such a hater, man. It's, no, I'm not a hater. I'm a realist. <laughs> it's about the dollars. I think that... And if Indy's willing to spend the most, it's the greatest place on earth. See, I and think if this Dallas last week is willi- their case. I don't think it did in the least. Because all the people who are saying it helped their case, 0.0 will their opinions count. None. It'll be who writes the check. Now, if the other people don't write a check... We're going back to Indianapolis. If Indianapolis writes the biggest check, we're going back to Indianapolis. But that's what it all comes down to. They don't care if you can get an MRI in a special place or a reservation at St. Elmo's or, you know, whatever and whatever. It doesn't make any difference. All they're concerned about is they want to take this thing around. They want to make it the new draft because moving the draft – everybody said when they moved the draft out of New York City – This is stupid. This is a waste of time. Yeah, wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. What's it like having a heart of stone? 
It's great. It's sad. It saves me a lot when <sighs> they do an EKG. <laughs> it's just, ugh. It but, was good to be back. But I love that Peter King's out there in Rappaport. Don't rule Indianapolis I'm out. T- and all I could think is, that's what you're being told. And, and, and I don't – I'm not saying they're out. I'm saying if they write a big enough check, they're not out. I think there are some people who matter somewhere. Who? Who uh, – coaches? No. General managers? No. They've, they've asked coaches and general managers to, to hold their opinions on other things. Remember, the general managers threw a fit when they decided to have the draft remotely a couple years ago. They threw did. a fit. Well, guess what we did? We did we the stu- draft remotely. We did the draft remotely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did. Ching, ching. Ugh. And I'm not talking about the trolley. No. I'm talking about the cash register. This is just so Money disheartening. Money is undefeated. This is so sad. Am I wrong? No. Thank you. It was so great to be in Indy. Well, it was great. And and listen, I like Indianapolis. I'm married to a Hoosier, so I have no problem with the state of Indiana. I think they do a fantastic job. I don't have a deep, sentimental love for it because I know. Because you have a heart of stone. Right. And I also know it's going to move. Uh, some, if it doesn't move next year, it'll move the next year. They're going to move it because it's an event. Okay. If we're going to move it, can we not move it to L.A.? No. <laughs> I mean, the first place I think it's going is Dallas. Okay, Dallas is a good transition city for those of us who don't like this change. Will I think you that's wear a, a cowboy good... hat during the entire combine? No, and I might bring like pictures of my favorite places in Indianapolis and like put them up. Steak on the and walls. shake. Uh, I ate a lot of steak and shake this last week. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't get in the really good places. We go to St. Elmo's. We've done We've that. Done we didn't this past trip, but we have done that. We went to a place that. called Nada. We went to Nada. Which is really good. There's a Nada in Nashville, right? There is. There's one I'm over going to in have to Midtown. Head it's in, very good. Yeah, boy, it was great. We ate good food, but there's some places like the little... Do you think people care about this who are listening to the OTP? I think they care about me being sad. Well, I think they care. Yes, they care about you. <laughs> I think they care about my feelings more than you do. It's not about anybody's feelings. I'm not going to agree with you just to make you feel better. That would That's be what I intellectually want. dishonest. That's what I want, though. That's what I'm waiting for. No, you're not getting that out of me. so sad. It's so... All right, can we tell people about what we did in okay. Indianapolis? Because we so, talked to some really so, cool people about non-moving well, trauma. Well, here's the theme of this OTP, and this is really OTP Combine 7. We learned about some neat things that we want to share. Mm-hmm. And one is about a person that you're going to want to know going forward. Another is about a team that I think is going to be a real pain to everybody in the AFC in 2022. And another is about a website that we discovered. And let's start there. Talk me through your thoughts on the 33rd team. The 33rd team is awesome. I think I have it pulled up on my computer right now, actually. It's a website that gives a lot of information about things that are going on in the NFL, both from a front office standpoint and also from kind of a featurey standpoint. So what we discovered about the 33rd team, it was founded by former Jets and Dolphins executive Mike Tannenbaum. Right. Who now works for ESPN. And we had a chance to sit down with him. And Amy, before we could dive into anything else, dove into the 33rd team. And we wrap up with some of his thoughts about one of his former players, Ryan Tannenbaum. Mike Tannenbaum on the OTP. 
So, Mike, I guess our first question for you is about the 33rd team. This is something that we have been talking about for a couple weeks now. It's something that has really been exciting for us to find. Tell us about the genesis of that project. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked me about that. Uh, when I was fortunate to become uh, the front office insider for ESPN, I knew I needed help. Um, and I just believe in helping others get to where they want to go. So I uh, hired a couple students from UMass where I had a couple scholarships. That's where I won. And... Uh, they helped me achieve my dream, so I wanted to help others get to where they wanted to go. And I was talking to Greg Schiano and Jim Caldwell, and they were two coaches that were between opportunities. And they're like, hey, you know, we would really like to stay current as well. And there's so many students that would give their left arm a leg to get their foot in the door. So I just started matching students who had dreams and coaches that needed help and put the two together. And two years later, we've placed 12 men and women in the NFL because the work they've done with coaches makes them really valuable and insight, like attractive to teams. And then we put out a completely free newsletter um, that if you go to the 33rdteam.com, you can sign up for. And then we have a weekly Zoom call, and we just talk about the issues of the week. So two weeks ago, uh, Dan Quinn and Jay Glazer led a really meaningful discussion around mental health and things to look out for and how we can help one another. Last day we had a discussion led by Ray Farmer and Rick Spielman about the combine and things to look for. And we have former players like D'Angelo Hall on that want to transition to the front office or coaching. Um, and we just try to put out you know meaningful content that kind of adds to the discussion. So when you're starting this, did you think, oh, we'll have a lot of content? Or was this, oh, we can get kids put in the NFL? It was really more of like supporting, uh, it really started with me. Like I needed help and they needed experience. And then it just mushroomed from there, and all these coaches needed support. And then about a year and a half ago, we're like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do a weekly Zoom call. And then we're like, you know what, we're going to share this content with the football world. And now, like, 50,000 people get our newsletter. We got a pretty big following on Instagram, and we're just going to keep putting out our content for free and um, just try to help others get to where they want to go. I don't mean to sound demeaning because you've run teams so you know this but are you even surprised at how well received the content is yeah because it's great mike yeah. i mean we we, we really enjoyed it. it yeah yeah mike i'll tell you why like the two, yesterday brian schottenheimer wrote an article about the combine so three weeks ago brian is coaching trevor lawrence and brian's coach mark sanchez philip rivers drew Brees, and now like he could take all of us behind the curtain of like what he would be talking to malik willis and kenny pickett about and, um, you know, we just think that's pretty unique content. It's really cool because, like, Jack Mumbert is with us. This is his first combine. And he looks like a kid on Christmas morning. Uh, for us, who've been doing it for a while, we're still just as excited. And I think what you're saying is you want to share that same feeling that we know how lucky we are to be involved with the National Football League in whatever role we have and give people that opportunity to see that they can do it too. Yeah, and there's so many students that just want to get their foot in the door. So, I always tell them, like, hey, we'll pair you with a coach. Go write an article, and now now you have meaningful experience for your resume, and our site has great content. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's people like the John Foxes of the world that, you know, they have so much to add. And, like, you know, people I haven't heard from John in a while. I'm like, you know, John, like, let's get you with our editor, and you speak to him for 10 minutes. Like, why would you enter coaching? Like, why do you coach? Let's just start with that. He wrote a great piece. And, you know, there's been a lot about hiring in the NFL and great conversations about what hasn't worked with the Rooney Rule. Bill Pulling wrote an article like, why did he hire Tony Dungy? Like, take us into the room, Bill. Like, you hired Tony Dungy at the Colts. Why would you do that? All right, so let me ask you to put your GM hat on and give us some insight right now. Combine ends. We all go back to our respective 32 cities. 
What happens then with all of the information that is gleaned at the Combine? Just generally speaking, they use it to help make decisions. It's fine. We talked about this yesterday on the 33rd team. So Charlie Cassidy, who was one of my mentors coming through the ranks, longtime GM, I, I used to ask him about, like, did the Combine sometimes artificially inflate or hurt a grade? And he said that they used to do a report that the most accurate grades in the whole evaluation process was the quote-unquote pure football grade, so the grade they put on at the end of December. And anytime like you moved off of that, that you could, but you have to have a good reason. So you bring up a great point, Mike. If someone runs faster or jumps higher than expected here, let's keep that in context. Let's go back and look at the film, and does that match the film? So how does the free agency aspect of it and that part of the offseason that's quickly approaching maybe shape the lens with which you're looking through to see the information that you've gathered at the scouting combine yeah it's a great question and let's talk about the quarterbacks for a second the strategic planning that goes on is really unbelievable you know a year ago mitch trubisky goes he's out on the streets signs a one-year two and a half million dollar deal with the buffalo bills in my opinion, he'd probably be the first quarterback taken, and that's why he's going to get a big deal coming out of Buffalo and not playing this year because Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, there are some answers, but there's a lot of questions around them. So you bring up a great point, which is the juxtaposition of the combine and college here and then the pro side here. And if you're running a team, you're saying, what's the most efficient way for us to check off the needs that we have? This draft and and what it sort of factors into. And there was a lot of speculation that this draft a year ago would be fantastic because so many guys decided to come back for the 2021 college season. Do we see that depth that we anticipated a year ago? Did it turn out that way? I think by position, yes. So defensive end, you know, we could get into the Jermaine Johnsons of the world, the Ojabos. Obviously, we know about Hutchinson and Thibodeau. Um, certainly at receivers, there's eight gazillion of those guys. But they're candidly like quarterbacks, I don't see it. Off the ball linebackers, okay, not great. Safeties, okay, not great. So I think that whole COVID force multiplier thing, I would give that a little bit of a grade of incomplete. All right, so let me go back to that another way. Do you think next year we're going to see more of that depth? Will it continue 22 but then also 23, 24, maybe a little deeper, like with linemen, for yeah, example. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think because they were able to keep their eligibility, so for the guys that had to be a little bit more developmental, I think we'll see that maybe, if not certainly because of this year, we'll, we should see it in 2023. Are there major stories this offseason that you're excited to see how they pan out in the coming weeks? I think you know, it goes back to the quarterbacks. Starts with Aaron Rodgers. What does he do? You know, here's an all-time great reigning MVP. What does he do? Russell Wilson. You know, I think it's time for Seattle to move on. They're the fourth best team in the NFC West. Um, and Seattle plays out. You know, I'm biased. I'm a big Ryan Tannehill fan. I think he's a really good player. He had a bad day against Cincinnati. You know, tip pass here or there, but. I think Tennessee's really well suited at the quarterback position. Let's talk about Tannehill for a second and, and John Robinson and Mike Vrabel with that. Here, final regular season game. We're playing at Houston, blowing a 21 nothing lead. It's 21-18. It's third down and forever. Ryan Tannehill throws a guy off his back somehow, rolls to the right, completes a 40-yard pass, takes the Titans down for a touchdown, and then runs the last four minutes out of the game. Titans get the number one seed. Everybody in Nashville is saying, hey, Without Ryan Tannehill, this doesn't happen. Two weeks later, it's like Ryan Tannehill has a bad day. He makes a bad decision at the end of the game. 
and people at some people are ready to throw 32 and 16 over the last 48 games away. As the GM and the head coach, how do you maintain the balance on that? Yeah, I, I lived it. When I was privileged to get the job with Miami, I called up the owner like three or four days in. I'm like, we got to sign Ryan to an extension. Like, this guy's too good, too smart, too talented, too high character. Like, this guy's really good. I always felt like it was taken for granted. And not only is his record, the 32 and 16, interesting, but there's another way to illustrate the same point, Mike, which is take him out. Who are you getting? Who are you getting? Who, who are you going to put in that spot that's better, more durable, higher character? What's the price? Like, He's a really good player at a really important position. And tell me who you're going to get to. And so if I was getting pushed back in the building, that's simply how your question is about Ryan Tannehill. My question is who you're getting to replace him. Well, he's he's played really good football. We're fans. So we're I know that. We're, I know that. I know that. I know that. Uh, and, and, you know, when you see the whole thing, you can't take one piece and just make a, a decision, particularly when you've been a franchise that's had quarterback problems since Steve McNair. That's right. And if you don't have stability at quarterback, you ain't got nothing. That's exactly right. And, and again, that's where – and one of the problems with Ryan, and I've told him this before, is, like, he brings no attention to himself. He, You know, it's always his fault. He gives credit to others. That's why his teammates love him. But what happens is people take that for granted. And, again, Miami hasn't replaced him since he's left. I mean, that's just the reality. Like, objectively, they have not played as well as quarterbacks since he walked out of the building. And I, I, I see the same thing with Tennessee. And – Canley, I think they're lucky to have him. I think that was a great trade by John, and I would keep him for as long, like in the foreseeable future. And look, that doesn't mean if a opportunistic second or third round pick, yeah, keep adding a guy, keep developing another guy. But you can win a lot of games with Ryan Tanner. The 33rd team from Mike Tannenbaum and a bunch of students from UMass, and then a bunch of other NFL people. It's a, it's a really fun, interesting read that has a lot of credibility. It, there's really good stuff there. Absolutely. It's a very easy way to absorb a lot of NFL information that you may or may not get other places. And the fact that he is using it to help people really get a foot in the door and get some opportunities makes it that much cooler to me. All right. So later in the week, I think we're going to go ahead and – run our interview with Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network. And we had a chance to sit down with her and talk about all of her numbers. Yes. And, and she is such an interesting person. Amy immediately bonded with her. She's now your close personal friend. You're yes. probably going on some trip with her, I would imagine. That she's planning because she can do numbers. Because she's amazing. Yes. So that's coming later in the week. And you'll want to hear that because – if you don't understand what's behind Cynthia Freeland when she comes on and does the Moneyball type numbers on NFL Network, I think you're going to love hearing that. Now, we want to introduce you to somebody who I think is going to become a much bigger factor in the NFL draft scene. His name is Jordan Reed. He's on ESPN now. He certainly hinted to us that we are going to see him with Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. But this is a guy who's brought himself up in this business through the bootstraps. It's a really great story, and his intel is fantastic. Yeah, he's got the real deal when it comes 
to information and he's talking to the right people and man he's got a grasp of this draft like few people really do so having the chance to talk to him and um, introduce the OT people to a fresh face when it comes to draft coverage really exciting Jordan Reed is his name he's with ESPN you will come to know him even better over the next eight to nine weeks of draft coverage here's our chat with Jordan Reed on the OTP. Let's welcome this newcomer to ESPN, Jordan Reed. How are you? I'm great. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm just happy to be back at the Combine. That's Isn't the it great nice? Thing. It, it's so great just being back around everybody, seeing everybody back on Radio Row, and just having a semblance of humanity. <laughs> so, so what is it like to be known as a draft expert? I wouldn't say expert. I don't like using but that that's word. What, just but they call you that at yeah. ESPN. That's what it says at the bottom they of the screen. That's what it says. It's Jordan Reed, ESPN draft expert. They do, just because, the. I mean, it's a big guess. That's, that's exactly what the draft is. I don't think there's any type of expert or nobody can predict the future. It's just an educated guess. That's what I like to call it. So, But the great thing about the draft is that, of course, it comes around every year, and each one is so different, as you guys can see no draft is the same and I think that's what's so different about this year's draft what do you think got ESPN on your trail to to get you over there and move you into this role when they already have Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay yeah well the thing about it is that this was completely unexpected I had no idea that they were coming after me and I actually started my Twitter account I believe it was in 2016 and I, I operate under it was called J Reed Draft Scout at the time before I switched it to, J, to Jordan underscore Reed and I just tweeted out my thoughts about guys and film clips of how to scout and then what I saw in those players and my following built it up out of nowhere you know I don't really care about followers or anything like that it doesn't really matter to me but it, it, it just continuously growed and I actually started at a website called blogger.com. I don't even know if that even exists anymore. So I was always a person that just wanted to talk about sports. I've always been a huge sports fan growing up. So whenever there was breaking news or anything like that, not just football, whether it was basketball or hockey or baseball, I just wanted to jot down my thoughts. But with me being a college athlete, I just could never – attack it full force or you know press the gas and then go forward with it just because I was playing college ball and then you know it just doesn't look right if we have a college athlete commenting on stuff like that so I just kept it in my blogger website and then once I started coaching full-time at my alma mater North Carolina Central University I operated under an anonymous name just (laughs) tweeting out things and nobody had any idea that I was doing it and you know I, I didn't say anything negative but I just talked about guys and what I saw what were their positives what were their negatives and then once I stopped coaching in 2018 that's when I attacked it full force and I started with a small website called coverone.com I was writing for like five or ten dollars per article but the guys were like slow down just because I, they were having to pay me so much money just because I was getting articles out so much but I just love the grind of the draft that's something that I've always loved I was that kid that sat in front of the tv back when the draft was two days long mm-hmm. if you remember oh yeah my parents would tell me please go outside and play like just get out <laughs> from in front of the tv I was that person that you were sat a draft nick. yeah I was a draft nick I sat in front of the tv the entire draft and I just wanted to figure out a way to combine journalism which is something I've always loved but I was never able to attack it full force just because I was a college athlete so I couldn't really focus on it a whole bunch and the NFL draft so I figured why not let's just go ahead and combine the two and it ended up working out for me what is it about the evaluation process that you like so much I mean you've really got to be kind of a nerd to yeah. get in <laughs> into that isn't the, nice no I'm a nerd you're a nerd no I I'm think, not uh, no you that. totally Speak are for yourself. <laughs> I think, but I mean it's a very unique aspect of being a fan of a sport why is it so appealing to you 
Well, so at my alma mater, North Carolina Central University, my final two years, I was the recruiting director. So what happened with that is I was able to sit in the living rooms of different individuals, sitting, being able to talk with moms and dads and understanding and figuring out their story. Why did they love football? Did you dislike certain things? Did you like certain things? So I think with that, that's really where I fell in love with scouting. And I'm a big background person. So I love learning about stories like how did you get from this point to this point to where you're standing in front of us as media people and telling your story. So I think that's where I fell in love with the draft as far as just figuring out background stories just because I can go on YouTube and I can type in Aiden Hutchinson and I can see you're very good at sacking the quarterback. But as far as his story, his upbringing and things like that, uncovering those layers and figuring out who the person is when their helmet is off, that's something I take pride in. Who is your favorite story so far? in the 2022 draft process? Ooh, that's a really, really good question. So one, his name is Tyler Algier. He's a running back from BYU. So he actually was a walk-on when he first got to BYU. And the way that he paid for his tuition and to stay in school was working at Walmart. That was the way that he was able to stay at BYU. And after two years of working at Walmart and his performance obviously being better on the football field, he was put on scholarship. And I think he's one of the more underrated players at the running back position. So Tyler Algier from BYU has a tremendous story. Do you have a position group that you are really excited about watching this year, specifically here at the Combine? Oh, I play quarterback, so <laughs> I'm a quarterback through and through. No matter how good or bad the position group is, I just love watching quarterbacks. Like, that's what I grew up playing. I grew up watching it, too. So I'm always going to be interested in just seeing the quarterbacks. And it was the same way at the Senior Bowl. It's just different seeing them throw in person as opposed to, you know, looking at the film and the ball just comes out their hand differently. And it's kind of a quarterback thing. I don't want to get too deep into it, but just seeing them throw the ball in person, it's a little bit different. All right, so give us a thumbnail on Kenny Pickett, for example. Yeah, so he's a five-year player at Pitt, and he had a phenomenal year last year, 42 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Everybody saw the fake slide touchdown in the ACC title game. And the thing about Pickett is that he's very gifted as far as his, his intelligence of the game, understanding of protections, knowing where everybody's supposed to be. His accuracy is really good, too. I think he has above-average arm strength. I think it's probably in that tier. But as far as the intangibles, he's a phenomenal leader. That's what every coach in the facility, all his teammates say about him, too. So I'm looking forward to see him throw in person again, just like I did at the Senior Bowl. All right, Malik Willis. Yeah, he's my favorite quarterback in the draft. I, I, I think very highly of Malik, and he has a very interesting story, too. He actually started his career at Auburn. He was there with Gus Malzahn, and then, of course, when he was ultimately let go, he ended up at Liberty with Hugh Freeze. And the thing about Malik is that he's so talented. He's so physically gifted, but he's really raw coming out. That's the word that you're going to hear attached to him a lot. I think he's probably even rawer than what Josh Allen was coming out of Wyoming. So he probably needs that entrenched starter in front of him just so he can learn the game. He can understand the nuances and the details of playing the position. And I, I think he has a very bright future. But of course, just like any other quarterback, it just depends on landing spot. Desmond Ritter. He's another one that has a very interesting story. And I can tell it if you guys don't mind me. So Coming out of high school, he only had one offer, which was Cincinnati. And so he had to, at his high school, he actually went through a tryout in order to get that offer. And he's from Kentucky. So it happened during the same day of the Kentucky Derby. And in Kentucky, that's actually a holiday. So he had to get all his friends together, go to that field, and perform for that coach in Cincinnati. So after that workout, he gets a call from the coach. He goes in a porter potty at the Kentucky Derby and finds out that he gets an offer from Cincinnati. The coach that watched him was Zach Taylor, Bengals head coach. Whoa. That's awesome. Yeah. 
I liked him story. at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. I I think he can play. I I just I think he's got a nice game. How do you evaluate him with the other guys? He has a very clean game. I mean, he he started over 50 games. He's won over 40 in his career. I think from a pocket standpoint, from reading defenses, he's very clean, has a nice smooth delivery, gets through progressions really well, has smooth footwork. The thing that Desmond needs to clean up a little bit is just his ball placement. It can get a little bit erratic at times, but as far as his maturity and being able to translate to the next level, I think as far as the responsibilities and the things that he was tasked with at Cincinnati, I think that's going to translate well to the next level. What's the story on Matt Corral? We know he suffered an injury late, late, late in the season. How is that going to impact what his future looks like with the National Football League? It's kind of TBD to be determined with him. It's kind of mixed opinions on him right now just because of all the quarterbacks that were projected to go early in the draft, he's the only one we haven't seen. And if you think about all the other quarterbacks, we saw them throw down in Mobile. He's the only one that just has, I wouldn't say question marks, we just haven't seen him play in a very long time. He injured the ankle in the bowl game against Baylor, and it's unfortunate that he's not going to throw here. I was really hoping to see him throw in person. He has the injury that he's not comfortable with playing with right now. He's going to wait to his pro day to throw the football. So, I mean, he's a player that quick twitch. That's just the way to describe him. Everything's fast with him. He kind of plays the game like a shortstop. Uh, as far as when they're trying to pick up the ball and throw it the first base, he treats the game like that. And he has very quick feet, has a very light and quick release too. So quick is the best word to describe him. Who's the number one pick in the draft when it's all said and done? So I think there's two candidates right now. It's Evan Neal from Alabama, offensive tackle from Alabama, and then also Ikemakwanu, the offensive tackle from NC State. And Icky. Yeah, yeah. I, I got an opportunity to see him alive against Wake Forest. And, you know, he, he's, he's a phenomenal human being. He looked the part every bit of six foot four, 320 pounds, so athletic, was actually the last leg in his 4 by one team in high school. So <laughs> that just goes to show you we're talking about a 270-pound human being at the time running with very much smaller people than him. He was the last leg, the anchor leg on that team. So – I think he's so gifted as far as from a pass protection standpoint. His demeanor is just, and his temperament is so physical as a run run blocker too. So I think that's something that's going to appeal to a lot of scouts. So you think a tackle goes first? Yeah, I, I think an offensive tackle. And then Detroit, then whoever doesn't go first, Detroit probably takes Hutchinson with the second pick because Detroit kind of needs to take Hutchinson. Yeah, yeah they, <laughs> I mean, they just need talent on the roster right now. They're still working – through trying to build the foundation of their rebuild right now. And Brad Holmes, he's a phenomenal talent evaluator. He did a really good job when he was with L.A. And he was there with Les Need. And we saw what their first draft class was able to do and some of the names that they had in that one. They were able to get some production from that too. So I, I think Aiden Hutchinson could be the second overall pick. I think it's either between him or Kayvon Thibodeau with that number two overall pick. So the Titans pick at 26. It seems like of a year, if there is a year to have a later draft pick, this is one of the years to do it because there's a tremendous amount of depth all over the place, right? Yeah, and that's the great thing about this draft class. I think with what the needs are for the Titans right now, I think the strength of this draft class really aligns well with that, whether it's wide receiver or edge rusher. I think both of those two are probably the biggest needs for the Titans going into this draft, and we'll see what they do at 26, but I think there's a lot of possibilities that they could do. All right, talk to me about your TV work and everything that's going to kind of go on. Will we see you a lot on ESPN leading up to the draft, draft weekend? How's it going to go down? Yeah, so you will see me, uh, not this week, but leading up to the draft. You will see me quite a bit. I can't release our plans for the draft right now, but uh, you will I see me. I was going to tell everybody, <laughs> so, don't, so don't tell me. I can't keep a secret. Yeah, you, you will see me quite a bit leading up to the draft. What does it mean to you? 
oh, it's huge just because actually I didn't share this when we first started. My nickname growing up was actually Mr. ESPN just because I sat in front of the TV, ESPN, and whenever something came across the ticker, I would let all of my friends know before it even – So you're the they, dude You're the dude who dreamed it, and it's happening. Yeah, that – like – You're going to be given a lot of TED Talks. Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. I am. <laughs> I am. But, that, I mean, it's got to feel remarkable, it does. doesn't it? It does, and – it was a surreal moment for me just because I have twin daughters and both of them, they'll be three years old in May. And my wife actually taped when I was on TV the other day and showed it to them. And they were saying, there's my dad when it popped up on TV. So that was like a surreal moment. Just seeing both of my daughters say that on TV was a phenomenal moment. That's awesome. That is tremendous. Yeah. So you're going to be doing stuff with Mel and Todd McShay? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all three. Are going to yell at them? Yeah. yeah. So I'm probably going to have to sit in between them. Keep those guys from killing each other. But, yeah, me, Todd, Mel, and then also Matt Miller, who we just brought back to for ESPN. All four of us will be working and collaborating together. This is really awesome stuff. We appreciate your insight, and thanks for sharing your story with us. I mean, this is good stuff. This gives you faith in the business. So good job, Jordan Reed. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure. I think Jordan Reed's going to be a star. I think he is going to be a star in this space. If you're not following him on Twitter, if you're not reading his articles on ESPN, if you love the draft, Jordan Reed is somebody you should keep up with. And you could say, if you didn't already know, you could say, well, I, I really got on to him first here on the OTP. Which is what you should be saying anyway. Anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. So everybody is already talking about who is 2022's Cincinnati. Who yes. is the team – that sort of comes from the back of the pack, maybe not necessarily from four wins, but comes from the back of the pack, has a great offseason, and suddenly is a big factor in 2022. I know who I think it is. Who do you think it is? Well, I don't want to steal yours because I think mine is the same as yours. That's okay. And that's the Chargers. Here's the thing about the Chargers. They got a quarterback. They got a running back. They got a bunch of receivers. They have a bunch of draft picks. They have a bunch of cap money. They'll have a second-year coach. They've got a schedule that is pretty conducive to what they want to do. Now, they say it's tough. All the ingredients are there, though. But we'd like to put you on to things early, you the OT people. We will be going to Los Angeles to see the Chargers this fall. Oh, we sure will. We will. So, one of my favorite people in the world, or at least the NFL world, is Matt Money Smith. You know him from his radio show in L.A. You know him from the NFL Network. He is the voice of the Chargers. He may be the coolest man alive. He is very cool. He's exceptionally cool. Matt Money Smith was kind enough to take time with us on the OTP, and here is that conversation from Indianapolis about the team on the rise, the Chargers. All right, Money, you got the whole crew. You got Rhett Bryan, you got Amy Wells, you got me. We're talking Chargers. Nine and eight. Tough end of the season. Sure was. <laughs> but what a ride the Chargers yeah. had in 2021. So, first thing I want to ask. Because, Go. Um, you can ask. So, I come from the world of music before I got into sports. And, you know, a lot of times if you were an opening band, you know, the guy that's producing the show for the headliner, eh, maybe those drums aren't quite as loud. Maybe that guitar ain't quite as crisp. So with, with two play-by-play -play guys, is my mic on par with yours? You're, like, are our levels you good? You sound are we, better. Are we even, are we even here? Listen, or? Hey, listen. 
I ain't the one on NFL Network, okay? I ain't the one I just on – to make sure. I'm not, I'm not the one with the big-time radio show. I'm just a guy who – Oh, yeah, just a guy. Just that's a all guy. you that's are. It. Just that's a guy. it. It was an exciting year. I think it's like anything, right? The, the margins are so narrow that – so many games. And look, this goes for wins, too. You know, to the scoring 41 points in the fourth quarter between the two teams and the Browns and Chargers, that ends up a win. Letting the Steelers come back into that game, that ends up a win. The Bengals come back, you know, after the, the Chargers were up 24-22, and that's a win. So I think for all the people that are playing the, oh, if it's just this one game, it's like, yeah, don't forget, there's some wins in there. That was just the character of the team. It was not just peaks and valleys throughout the season, but in every single regular season game, which, you know, made it as – entertaining a season as I've ever called. Unfortunately, you know, one more win would have been great just to get into the tournament. Brandon Staley's had such a fascinating career going from John Carroll University, working his way through the NFL, and then finally getting the head job with the Chargers. What has that experience been like for you working with him? What have your interactions been like with him? He's, uh, I, th- I think what you see in the, the media is exactly what you see behind the scenes. He's just very candid, uh, engaging, when you, when you do games, you always have the interview with the coach, and typically when you're on the road, maybe it's the night before because they got so much going on the next day, and he'll just hang out. You know, he'll just kind of, after we finish our five minutes or seven minutes, whatever it's going to be, we'll end up talking between the three of us with Daniel Jeremiah, who's the, the color guy in the broadcast for us, half hour, just wow. talking football or life or whatever. He's very um, he's a very learned man. He, he consumes a ton of books is always talking about what he's reading and he doesn't put that out there to show off or anything it's just kind of if we ask him it'll it'll naturally come up in conversation so he's someone who I think has really he had this vision for himself this is where he was going to end up Uh, and you mentioned it whether it was through transferring to Mercyhurst or coaching at John Carroll like however he needed to get to this point to be in one of 32 head coaches he just he feels like it was it was always in the cards for him, and he would eventually end up here. And, and I think there is some of that confidence when you sit with him as well. He's I, I really enjoy him. I, I really do. He's a he's a bright football mind. I don't think there's any question about that. But I think it's also look. I think it's good for casual fans what Brandon does in his pressers, and he doesn't. I don't think he's trying to talk over you with too much football jargon. I think he just enjoys kind of explaining, hey, this is how we play. This is what we want to do. This is what's important to me. And and I think a lot of fans have really enjoyed it. Matt, you spoke about the disappointment that uh, how the Chargers season ended, but the future is amazing for you guys. When you look at it on paper, you have the franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, $50 million under the cap. You don't have any super free agents that you're trying to hold on to outside of maybe Mike Williams, who had a career year. You guys have really set the table, and we'll get into the needs in a moment, but it's really looking good for you guys in 2022 and beyond because you've got Justin Herbert and on a rookie deal. Yeah, that's the key. It's, you know, it's a quarterback league. And I think when you, especially when you look at the AFC Red, it's like, okay, you better have someone that can trade punches with Josh Allen, with Patrick Mahomes, with Joe Burrow, or you better find someone, you know, if you don't have that person. And I think, look, the Titans are unique because of the way you play football. It's like, it reminds me of Stanford, you know, in the Pac-12 when Jim Harbaugh first showed up. It's like, yeah, they may not have – granted, they did have that quarterback in Andrew Luck, but the point being, it's just a different game. For the Chargers, I think it is more similar. You know, you got to get in there and you got to be able to score points. And I don't think there's any question they're going to stay committed to that. You know, on the offensive side, in free agency – I wouldn't be surprised if they use, you know, a high pick on an offensive tackle to try to just solidify the right side of that line. You can't have kind of leaks like they did last year, and a lot of that obviously was injury-related and attrition. But 
you know, I think you're absolutely right. When you have the quarterback, when you have him on a rookie deal, you can afford to to spend money elsewhere, and that means Derwin James is going to become the highest-paid safety, and he's going to get paid like a corner this offseason. Mike Williams will be interesting. Uh, they're very excited about Josh Palmer and, you know, what he was able to do when 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 Keenan went down. So I don't know if that's a franchise tag, if it, if it is a, a team-friendly long-term deal, but it is hard to tie up that much money in that position when you already have Keenan on, you know, a top five wide receiver salary. Now, Justin Herbert, I mean, we've got to talk about the success that he's had in such a short career. He had 38 touchdowns, over 5,000 passing yards, over 400 completions, and had a Pro Bowl season. Are you surprised that he has had that success so quickly, or is this exactly what he was supposed to do? Yeah, Amy, I'll tell you, I am surprised, and it's probably because I had too much information. Living on the West Coast and watching Pac-12 games and watching him play at Oregon, look, not to take a shot at Mario Cristobal, but he just didn't use him right, you know? And, and that's the way that coach wanted to play football, you know? They wanted to run the ball. They wanted to ensure they did not turn the ball over, lean on their defense, and he just never let them cut it loose. And so... I think you could tell by the way he played in college that that was the directive. Under no circumstances are you to turn over the ball. And that led to a lot of aiming his passes, never quite cut it loose. And it was actually here, I was standing on the field when he was going through his throwing workout. And I can't remember who it was. It might have been Napper, actually, sadly to say, because we just lost him, that, that just kind of said, hey, dude, cut it loose, man. you got the best arm here. And all of a sudden, he put on a show. And it's like, there it is, like, that's what you were waiting for is someone who was going to cut it loose and throw it all over the place. And I think once he got in to the game, you know, that second week, as strange as the circumstances were, you know, I credit Shane Steichen and, and Coach Lynn for just letting him cut it loose. Like, hey, dude, you're a rookie, and we've got Joey Bosa on defense. we got this talented defense, but let's just let's get after it. Let's use your tools. And, and I think that's what's really led to the rest of the league seeing, wow, this – this guy's in the conversation is perhaps the most talented quarterback in the league in terms of the full complement of athleticism, being able to escape, being able to run, while also just churning through progressions at, at breakneck speed and finding that open man. And just with a flick of a wrist, you can get some serious velocity on those passes. Interesting as well that I have a friend out on the West Coast who told me that personality-wise, they had questions if he could do that job. And it sounds as if he's almost been – allowed to cut his personality loose too once he left Oregon and went to the Chargers. Is there something to that? I think so. It's, you know, he grew up in Eugene, you know, he stayed in Eugene. I think that, I think it meant so much to him. You know, I, to, to me, that's someone when you, I think when people, if they aren't familiar with college towns and just how much a team means to the entire area, that's what Eugene, Oregon is, you know, and so, I almost wonder if the pressure was just so incredible that you can't quite cut it loose. You don't want to be seen as, I don't know, that flippant's not the right word, but maybe just a little too carefree and I'm having this good time. No, this is important to me because I know it's important to you. And I think once he got down here, you know, he's able to, to and I think a lot of it has to do with your connections that you make. So much is circumstance-based, right? And I think he just had a really good group of guys around him in his draft class. He and Gabe Neighbors, the fullback, hit it off immediately. And it's a pretty fun group. You know, Joey Bosa's got this super, just super quick, dry wit to him. And I think you start, you know, playing a little, you know, playing around with one another, and, and you can 
open up a little bit. And I think we're seeing that. You know, you see his Instagram, and he's always golfing with guys on the team. Just got a hole in one, and they're all freaking out. I, I think you know, the, the victory brisket that he smokes on his on his Traeger grill that he cuts up and takes to all his teammates after wins. Like, I think you're starting to see him get more comfortable, 100%. And that was a concern for people coming out. Is he too quiet? Is he a leader? And I'll tell you, just to kind of make a long answer longer, I, I think the quiet sort of humility – just has gone such a long way with his teammates like it seems like they're constantly celebrating his plays instead of him being the guy that's fist pumping after a touchdown they're the ones that are coming over to him trying to get him to to celebrate a little bit more and and congratulate himself for you know a job well done which he's just very reluctant to do Matt you guys play in that AFC wild wild west you talked about keeping up with the Joneses or the Mahomes in this case Third down is a problem with you guys. Do you anticipate seeing a pass rusher, run stuffer, those kinds of things to go with Bosa and the crew? Yeah, right. I, I think third down was a problem because first and second down were such a problem. You know, it wasn't a lot of third and eights and third and twelves that they were giving up. It was third and twos and third and threes because they were just getting gashed horribly in the middle for, for stretches there. And I think it's, you know, it, it's kind of it compounds itself, right? If, if you're stout up front, then maybe you can get away with it on the backside a little bit. I like our, you know, I, I don't think there's any question that they love the safeties. Adderley really took a step last year. Derwin, you know, is, is, is a freak. But I think they're probably looking to get a little bit bigger at corner, find another big corner that can play outside. Um, I don't know if that's as good as Asante Samuel was last year. I think he, I just don't know if he's quite big enough to handle. You know, he had two big injuries last year, and it was from taking on big running backs and taking big hits. Both ended in concussions. So I'd, I'd imagine that may be what they address with number 17. I could see him address an edge. I'm a little concerned that, that Chenna's going to – I'll be floored if Chenna doesn't get a huge deal off, you know, a huge offer from teams. He's just too young and too good. Uh, I know the sack numbers weren't high, but the pressures are. The hits are. Um, he's a great guy, and he's 25. So they may have to replace him opposite Bosa. Uh, no question, they're going to have to remake the interior of the line. I, as as good as Linval Joseph was, he's just, you know he's just a little bit older. Jerry Tillery was a bit of an issue inside in slowing down the run. They need to get a little bit thicker in that area. So I wouldn't be surprised if if they find someone you know early if someone's there in the draft at 17 or in the second round or or you know it seems like there's some free agents free agent options out there too to address the inside of the line. But that's that's definitely something you know I think interior tackle probably get they have good linebackers they just got to figure out what to do with their linebackers you know I think it because they played a ton of nickel you have two out there and and it seemed like the best combination was Kaiser and Drew Tranquil I don't know if Kaiser is going to get re-signed or not even with all the tackle numbers so they do have a lot of questions to answer um, and there's a lot of ways they can go but I think instead of just identifying it as a position I think it's more how do we stop this from happening how do we stop first and ten from becoming second and four so whether is that on the back end is it with bigger corners is it with different linebackers is it with tackles um i think that's probably what they're going to have to sort out austin eckler is i think the afc's answer to alvin Kamara for what i mean you know, over 1500 total yards 20 touchdowns can he keep it up so austin's like the only thing in austin's way from keeping it up is austin he won't go down like, he just does not go down on first contact. He'll get hit three yards behind the line of scrimmage, and it's a one-yard gain. He never gets dropped on first contact. So I think he ends up taking more hits, you know, than he should because that's just the style of back he is. He's so incredibly strong. They need a, they need a back to help him out. They've tried. You know, they swung it. Josh Kelly, two years ago in the fourth round, they swung at Larry Roundtree last year. I don't think either of those quite, 
neither of those guys was able to raise his hand. Justin Jackson's been great. He's just been hurt. He can't stay healthy, which is weird because he never missed a snap at Northwestern his entire career. So for whatever reason, he's not been able to stay on the field. If he were, like if Justin had been healthy this entire four years that he's been with the team, I don't think there's any question that, that they would have been a lot more productive on that front. So I, I would be very surprised if they didn't try to figure that out in the draft again. I think they'll take another swing at a, at a back to help him out because that's how he's going to be more effective. you know. And, and even I think even for him, being an alpha as he is, and like you said, being a, an Alvin Kamara time, when you look at the touchdown numbers, my goodness, 20-plus touchdowns is crazy. So I think he even said, though, you know, we got to get somebody out here. We got to get another guy to, to, to help carry the load. So I, I think he recognizes that he was taking a bit of a beating and he knows it just, it probably can't happen again this year. They got to try to cut down on his touches to keep him effective. Everybody has tried to come up with who is next year's Cincinnati. And obviously, nine wins is more than four wins, but the Chargers sure do make sense in terms of that formula. If you add another top flight receiver or if Josh Palmer. Air Canada right. himself uh, continues to step up. And if you if you do what the Titans did on defense and that's spend a bunch of money, the Titans' third down defense was awful in 2020 <laughs> and improved by 15% in 2021. I mean, you can see this, right? I can. I, I absolutely can. And then I can also see a, a pretty perilous path. I mean, it's it's a gnarly schedule next year. Uh, as you know, you know, you're on the schedule. Oh, so yeah. we got one too. Uh, yeah, it's it's a and that was kind of one thing that I pointed out. I was like, yeah, it's a third place schedule, but the third place schedule did them no favors. I think Atlanta's going to end up maybe winning the NFC South, that you know, unless things kind of shake up at, at quarterback here. But I could see maybe a bit of an exodus for the Bucks, and and I think that's just what people forget is sometimes you catch a break, and sometimes you don't. You know, they had a second place schedule last year, and they end up getting the Vikings. You know, and and it's just like it it, it gets tough. So, yeah, I can see it, but I also know how hard it's going to be, uh, especially when you got to play the Chiefs twice, the Raiders twice. That Broncos defense is nasty. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with their quarterback position. If they drop a quarterback in there, that's as good a group of skill players as there is in the league. So it could happen, but it won't. And, look, it wasn't easy for the Bengals. You know, right. it, it's like it, it, that, that was a tough division. I think the Browns were the most talented team in the division. They obviously caught a break with attrition to the Ravens. The Steelers were still great on defense. Like, it's never easy. You know, it's never easy. So, you know, maybe they catch a break this year and next year, or I guess it is technically this year, 2022, and they end up going, you know, 10 and 7, 11 and 6 instead of 9 and 8 and having a couple more of those breaks go their okay, way. Okay, I'll get the final question. Yeah. When do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, well, I mean, you're still doing the radio show, right? Yes, yeah, I'll be doing the show today. And then, and then how many days a week are you doing on NFL Network? Depends. Like, right, this is a busy week, obviously. Sure. You know, I'll be doing four days here starting tomorrow. Um, so the NFL Network schedule dials back in the in the offseason. They're pretty good to me that way. You know, they, they kind of hammer me in the in the season. And then, but you've got more gigs than, I mean, Ryan Seacrest. I was going to say, so hey. Ryan Seacrest of football. Yeah, there you go. Uh <laughs> You know what it is, Mike? I never say no because I know one day they're going to say, no. say no. So right. I'll, I'll keep saying yes until they stop asking because I know they're going to stop sooner or later. And who but knows? they haven't. They haven't yet. They haven't. They have not yet. Uh, <laughs> but I'm stupid enough that I'll step in it and I'll get fired from all of them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Whatever. I'll figure it out after that. But for now, I'm having a great time. Money Smith. I mean – if your nickname's Money, you just got to be cool. Yeah. Th- Nobody that really calls him it. Matt.
No, and having the nickname Money is like really cool. Having the nickname Money in LA is way oh. cooler. Like, I mean, people call you Money in a money. place where a lot of people have money. A lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. It's pretty cool. Glad to be back. It feels good to be home. It does. Yes. We'll have another OTP later this week, and we'll play Cynthia Friedland, we promise. Can't wait. Well, she's she's really great. Thank you for all the OTP cues. Thank you to the OT people for listening. Thank you so much to Farm Bureau Health Plans for sponsoring this. Thank you to Ashley Farrell, especially, and to Rep Bryan and to Jack Mummert, Coach Dave McGinnis, for helping us do seven podcasts in a week. Holy smoke. It's a lot. It is a lot, but it's all all stuff that we just couldn't not share. Right. We had to share it. We had to it share it. It was too it. cool. Well, just a lot of great conversations. We're certainly going to talk about more about the draft process as we go forward. Pro days at different colleges, visits. There's a lot to come in free agency with the, with that process beginning in less than a week now. So much more football to discuss on the OTP coming up again, presented by our friends at Farm Bureau Health Plans. So you're going to be okay over the whole Indianapolis thing? Well, I think it's going Is it worse now that you know they've got a shot? No. When before we left, you thought they had no shot? Mm-mm. No, I almost like it more. I like the glimmer of hope, and I also feel like – I adequately absorbed my experience in the event than it was the last time. So it's an, I can't lose in this situation. I really made the most of my last time there, if that's the case. And if not, it's a bonus trip. I feel good about it either way. And wow, I'm kind of get, glad that you we get can, hung up on some stuff, don't well, you? Well, I just, I get a little nostalgic. I Seriously? Mean, I've been to. About going to Indianapolis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It's a big part of my career, and going to Indy for the Combine was like a big deal for me. Going to a city in the Midwest is a big part of your career? Okay, the Midwest is cool. I didn't say... Let's not... I didn't say it wasn't. Yeah, but I didn't like your vocal inflection. The Midwest is cool, and it it, it was just... It was a big NFL thing when I went to the first one in 2013 was my first Combine, and it felt like a very big deal and I've since been to many more and I like the stability I like that I know what I'm getting into I like that nothing changes I like that stuff what a nice comment about their city nothing changes nothing changes it's nice <laughs> I like <laughs> sure it. they appreciate that <laughs> well, on their... shoot I live in Nashville where everything everything changes, changes so. every day where they ought to have to come by right <laughs> no. here I think right yeah. here we should host the combine right here for Amy Wells I'm Mike Keith Thank you for listening to the OTP. Welcome.